Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. Keep your place there in Proverbs um, chapter 11. That's where we're going to begin um, this morning. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Jimenez. Um, as uh, Deacon Oliver said, a great, uh, great friend of mine, of course, uh, ordained me and, and started uh, our church um, in Fresno. I saw many of you at our two-year anniversary just a, a couple of weeks ago, so good to see you all uh, again. Um, thank you to uh, Deacon Oliver for um, all the accommodations and the hospitality, uh, you know, getting here last night and everything. It's just been uh, great. It's always an honor to be here. It feels like, uh, always will feel like coming home um, to me and, and my family, so it's always good to see um, your faces. Good to be here, um, and it's an honor to be able to preach to you this morning. So this morning, let me start out with a bold statement. The, the topic of the sermon this morning could quite literally make you or break you. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of people, I'm trying to get you to sit up in your chair uh, this morning and, and pay attention, um, but we're going to talk about something that's very important this morning, and down in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 14, you'll see the verse that we're going to focus on um, this morning where the Bible says, in Proverbs eleven fourteen, the Bible says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So the Bible here is telling us that counsel is good, that uh, many counselors are good. The problem is, though, before I even give you the topic, um, the title of the sermon this evening, the problem is, is that this world that we live in is full of information. You know, we're living in, um, actually, turn to Daniel chapter 12. One of my, um, I, I love Daniel chapter 12 and verse um, number four, but let me give you the problem statement this morning, and then we'll talk about um, the sermon title. But look at Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4. You know, it's, it's been said that the age that we're living in, since maybe the late 20th century or the, even the mid-20th century, some people say, is called the information age, meaning there's all this information available. There's, I mean, basically anything you could ever want to know about anything is available. And I think, actually, that, that this verse in, in verse number 4 of Daniel chapter 12 is probably, look, I don't know if we're in the end times. I don't know if we're going to see the end times in our lifetime, and that's not really what the sermon's about this morning. But if there's evidence that we're in the end, you know, that the end times will be in the near future, it's Daniel chapter 12, verse number 4, in my opinion. Look at what the Bible says. It says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, talking about traveling back and forth. We see that today. But look at this, and knowledge shall be increased. Never has there been more knowledge. And when I, mean, when I say knowledge in Daniel chapter 12, verse number 4, I'm, I think it's talking about just information. All right, just information. There's so much information available today that anybody could learn anything, anybody could know anything. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people vying for your attention with information. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 14, the Bible is saying that a multitude of counselors is a good thing. The problem is, though, that there's a lot of information out there that's not correct. There's a lot of information out there that's bad. There's a lot of bad information out there. So we need to be able to sort between the bad and the good and get to the truth. And what I want to talk about this morning is bad counsel. There's bad counsel. So in order for Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 14 to work for you, you need to be able to distinguish between good counsel and bad counsel. Because there's a lot of counsel out there. There's a lot of people out there trying to tell you things, trying to get you to do things. And this morning, I want to give you three categories to watch for 
bad counsel in. I want to give you three types of people that will try to give you counsel that is not good counsel. So that's the topic of the sermon this morning. The title of the sermon is, is just bad counsel. Look, if you follow bad counsel, it will destroy you. If you follow good counsel, it could literally make you spiritually and in this world. It could, it could make your family. It could break your family. It could make your spiritual life. It could break your spiritual life. We need to understand the difference and have that discernment between good counsel and bad counsel. The Bible in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 14, is saying it's implying that you know the difference between good counsel and bad counsel. So I'm going to give you three sources this morning of bad counsel. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, and let's look at the first one. 2 Peter chapter number 2. There's a lot of bad ideas out there, folks. There's a lot of false information out there. This is why the, there's so much information available, yet the truth eludes so many people today. It's because we're flooded with information, and a lot of it is bad information. A lot of it's fake news, as, you, as, as the, the term goes today. All right, look at 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at the first source of bad counsel you need to look for today. And this is a big one, especially um, in our country, in our culture today. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse number 1. The Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So here you have these people that are teaching false things. I actually have a sermon series going at um, Hold Fast Baptist Church right now called Damnable Heresies, where we're looking at specific heresies that are common in our culture today. Um, I'm not going to look at the heresies part of it this morning, but I want to just show you that there's false teachers there. There's false teachers that are out there, and these false teachers, the problem is they bring swift destruction upon themselves, but guess what? They also bring swift destruction upon anyone that follows them. Look at verse number two. Because it says, it'd be one thing if there's a false teacher and everyone's like, whatever, you're a fool, you're a moron, you don't make any sense, and nobody follows them. But the reason the Bible is telling us about it is because because verse number two. It says, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. This is that bad counsel right here. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Look at verse number three now. You say, why do they do it though? Like, why are these... Why are these teachers teaching these false things? And this is where we're going to get at point number one this morning. It says, and through covetousness, they shall with feigned words, what? Make merchandise of you. So the first thing that you have to look for, the first category that you need to look for when it comes to bad counsel is people that are trying to make merchandise of you. You say, what what does that mean? Turn to Proverbs chapter 21. People that are trying to make money off of you. People that are trying to rip you off. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody's trying to rip you off today. Everybody's trying to make money off of you today. Look, all this this culture that we live in with this constant advertising, this constant... You know what that is? That's advising. That's counseling. All this stuff being put in front of your face, you know, telling you to just spend all your money and more. That's counsel. 
If you follow that counsel, you will be destroyed. It's advising you to, to take out all kinds of debt. All of this advertisement, I was just at, we got into town last night, and I went to, to Bass Pro Shop with my daughter last night. And I just, I don't know who actually buys things there, but I like to walk around the place. It's nice to look at things. And, and I like to, I was walking through the brand new, the brand new boat section. And, and I told my daughter, because every single one of the brand new boats has a pedestal with a, with like a price tag, you know, on the front of it. And I was telling my daughter, what's the one number that you see on this pedestal that pops out at you? And we're standing in front of this brand new boat. And she says, you know, she looked at the one number. There's a number that's like really big, and it's $660 a month. And then you look, and there's a really tiny little number down in the corner. It says $86,000. <laughs> you know, but everyone's like, oh, $600. You could, you know, here's, here's, this is a culture that's trying to make merchandise out of you. You could go there, and you could have $4.20 in your checking account. You couldn't afford to buy a bag of gummy bears at the checkout, and they will sell you an $86,000 boat. They'll, you'll sign everything, and they'll sell it to you. If they, they'll find any possible way to make that work. You know what they're doing? They're making merchandise out of you. It's everywhere that you see. I'm on an airplane the other day, and they're advertising, take out a credit card and, and buy your peanuts or whatever they're selling through this credit card on an airplane. It was like a 45-minute flight. They're trying to make... Like, I want to pay 26% interest on a bag of peanuts. Yet, there's people. Because you get a free soda or something. I don't know what they're... You know, I'm sure they're offering something. But all these people are trying to make merchandise out of you today. You look at somebody who's, who's going to, you know, you look at the, the student loan advisors. You could go to a student loan advisor, a college advisor, and say, I want to get a degree in bagging M&Ms or whatever. A degree that, that has no possibility of paying back any kind of loan at all. You know what they'll do? Sign here. Come with us. We'll take care of it. They'll let you borrow tens of of thousands of dollars, yay, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why? Because they're making merchandise out of you. They make money on this. This is the culture. Everyone's a car salesman today. Just trying to sell, sell, get you to just buy, 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 borrow, borrow, borrow. It's constant. If you gave everybody $25 a month that wanted $25 a month, you'd be broke. I've told the kids since they were this tall, it doesn't matter how much money you make in this world, you can spend it all and more. People think, if I could just make a few more dollars, but then they go and they, they, can, they spend it all and then they spend more. Right. You'll never be successful that way. It's bad advice. It's bad counsel. Are you in Proverbs 21? Look what the Bible says. In Proverbs 21, verse number 20, the Bible says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. The Bible is saying, in a, in a wise person's home, you'll find valuable things. You'll find oil. You'll find things that are there to sustain them, value. But a foolish man spendeth it up. 
A fool, it's a foolish person that spends everything that they have. Go to one chapter over to Proverbs 22. A lot of people think, oh, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't have servitude today. We're so much more refined today. We don't have masters and servants today. You know, that was, you know, that was 250, 300 years ago in America. No, there's servitude today, folks. Look at Proverbs chapter 22. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says the rich ruleth over the poor, but look at this. The borrower is, borrower is servant to the lender. That is a universal truth right there. You go out and you, you fall into this bad advice and you take all this bad counsel and you take out every single loan you possibly can and you finance all these nice things. You finance your TV and your, your couch and your kitchen table chairs and all this kind of stuff because it's zero interest for six months or whatever it is and you go and do all these things, you're going to be a servant. That is a universal truth. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what form of government you live under, if you go and you borrow and you become a debtor, you are going to be a servant. This is what our entire culture that we are living in in America today is based upon, is this kind of bad counsel. And it's there to just make merchandise of you. This idea that, I mean, the whole, our whole culture in America, this could just be the, a sermon in itself, is just based on constant consumption. And, and spending, not saving. But the Bible is saying the opposite. As a matter of fact, you know, products are made this way on purpose. Products are made to break. You say, you're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. You know, there's, there's, a, there's something called the great light bulb conspiracy. You ever heard of this? In the 20s, there was literally a group of light bulbs. I mean, electrification was just happening. There was literally a group of people that got together in the 20s, maybe even a little earlier than the 20s, light bulb manufacturers, and they decided, we need to bring the lifespan of light bulbs to 1,000 hours. You know, in Livermore, California, there's a light bulb that's been burning in a firehouse for over 100 years. Like, what? 100 years ago, they knew, yeah, they knew how to do it. 100 years ago. They burn out all the time because they're designed to burn out all the time, so you have to keep buying them and you keep consuming them. LED light bulbs. An LED lasts 120,000 hours. You do the math on that, it's like 20 plus years. How many of you have had to replace an LED light bulb? <laughs> like, I thought this thing was supposed to last 20 years. It's designed that way. The LED does last 120,000 hours. They design other things to break inside it. All these semiconductors and these chips, I used, to, I used to build these things. They design them to last about five years, seven years. On purpose. A TV used to last, you shouldn't have a TV anyway, but a TV used to last 30 years. Now they last five years. Why? Because we You have to keep buying new TVs, 0% interest, $12 a month. They're making merchandise of you, folks. How many have a printer in your home? Raise your hand. I'm taking a poll. We'll see if this poll works. Raise your hand high. How many of you own a printer today? Now, same raise of hands. How many of you have ever been to the printer parts store? 
How many of you have ever bought parts and, re and replaced parts and repaired your own printer? None of you. Why? Because they're designed to break and you have to buy a new printer. Every single error code, I'm like, why do I even look up these error codes? Because it says, oh, you need a new printer. <laughs> E002. I'm like, Google it. Maybe there's a fix or something. Buy a new printer. <laughs> why? It's designed this way. It's designed. Why? To make merchandise of you. Look, so many things operate under this same theory. You think about things like, think about the military-industrial complex, which is real. What do they do? They make machines. They make bombs. What? That are designed to what? Be destroyed. They, make, they don't make money by making a tank that lasts forever and like you never have to buy a new tank. They make money by designing things and then feeding them to get blown up and destroyed. But guess what? Men's lives have to drive those tanks and have to get blown up by those bombs. What are they doing? They're making merchandise of human life. It's wicked as hell. Any industrial complex works this way. The military industrial complex. You think about, we were just in a brand new hotel last night. I can see this everywhere. You just got to look for industrial complexes in your life. We're in a brand new hotel last night, and I'm texting my son this. There's an exit sign every 20 feet or something on the ceiling now in this new hotel. And then there's exit signs down on the ground. Like right in the hallway, there's like in this hallway, there's like 20 exit signs in the hallway on the ground. Why? Because building codes just keep, they just add to the building codes and add to them and add to them and add. It's the building industrial complex. You used to be able to build a hotel for X, now it's X times two. Well, guess what? Now it costs you more money for a hotel, costs somebody more to start a hotel, whatever it is. That all feeds to you, and they're making merchandise of everybody. It's all a racket. It's all a racket, folks. You think of the politicians. You think of the politicians. You think to yourself, why in the world? You think these, these politicians, they were, were going into an election year. And they're going to run on all these promises. I don't care, Democrat, Republican, whatever you're looking at. They're going to run on all these different promises. And then when they get elected, I mean, look at what's happening today. Literally, everything that's going on today has nothing to do with the interests of any American. You're just like, what in the world? Why? Because they, they run on promises, and then they work for lobbyists and industrial complexes. That's what they do. Why? Because they're making merchandise of you. It's all the same thing. The medical industrial complex. I can go on forever on this. What do they do? They make pills and they make shots. They need someone to take those pills and take those shots. Then they got to make new pills and they got to make new shots. They don't make any money by creating these things that nobody takes. They're all making merchandise. And they don't care if they're making merchandise of you and it costs you your life. They don't care. So there's a lot of bad counsel out there that is literally out there just to make money off of you. This is the first one that you need to understand. But look, good counsel says that you need to save. You need to, you need to consume less. Hey, buy things that don't break or that you can fix. 
Don't give in to this, you know, just throwing your money away at things that you have to throw away. You know, look at not doing that in your life. If you save more and you consume less, you know what that means? That means you will have options. Because you're not following this bad counsel that's just trying to make merchandise of you. Because they don't care if you spend and go in debt and become in servitude. It's just bad counsel. It's all bad advice. Watch for it. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's look at the second one. So the first one is just people that just want to make money off of you. People that just want to, you know, make merchandise out of you. Or they're going to try to give you a lot of advice. They're going to try to tell you things that make them money, that cost you money and make them money. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number number 5. 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 5. The second one is this. I'm going to call this one vain jangling. But let me just explain to you what it means. There's a lot of people out there that have failed in a particular area that think that they want to give you a lot of advice. These are vain janglers. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. I mean, it's counterintuitive, right? Some of this is a complete failure in this area, but they want to tell you everything about it. The Bible warns us about this. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 5. I'm going to give a lot of examples on this one. I'm not trying to beat anybody up this morning. Like if you're like, oh, I've made some of those mistakes. That's not the purpose of what I'm going after here. But I'm telling you that, you know, you should look at the source of the counsel that you're taking. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. or 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience out of faith unfeigned from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. You're like, what is vain jangling? Look at this. It it kind of explains it in verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Isn't that an interesting comment right there? You think, who in the world would want to be a teacher of something they don't understand? I mean, who, who would want to read a book? Who would want to like, read like, a, a manual on something and they just have like, no idea? Like They read a manual on their lawnmower and they have no idea what it says. They're like, I have no idea what that's all about. And then they want to teach people how to run their lawnmower. That's exactly what people do, though. Why? Because they're vain. And they don't care about you. They just have this desire to teach people things. So they're going to, you know, the, the Bible here is talking about, you know, People that just really want to teach for themselves. Look, if you want to teach people, if you have a desire to teach, if you have an aptitude to teach people, you should want to teach people for other people. I've always said that like a good teacher can take something that's very complicated and make it simple for people to understand. That's a really good teacher. Whereas like a bad teacher is somebody that gets up and they're like, well, you know, the thing, the cybernetic oscillator and all this. And they're like, whoa, he said cybernetic oscillator. <laughs> What's a cybernetic oscillator? I have no idea. Neither does he. But he sounds smart. These are vain janglers. For their own vanity. They're jangling. They're trying to get attention. Why? To themselves. A great example of this, I just preached a sermon on it, is, is like the history of dispensationalism. This is just full of vain janglers. It is just this idea, this false doctrine, because nobody would ever read the Bible with themselves and the Holy Spirit and come up with this garbage. You say, why? Because it's not in there. 
It's a bunch of vain janglers that are wanting people to think, oh man, look at that diagram that that guy came up with. That's really smart. What does it mean? I have no idea. <laughs> it's people that want to have the preeminence over other people. They desire to be teachers, but they're not qualified to be. This is Darby. This is Schofield. This is Ruckman. These guys were, these guys were vain janglers. And if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll go there in a second, and you look at the qualifications of a pastor, these guys were criminals. They didn't meet the first qualification in verse number two. People should have just been like, whoa, you're not qualified to be teaching anything that has to do with the word of God. Amen. And walked away, but that's not what happened. But guess what? These people, these vain janglers that know nothing about the Bible, nothing about what they're talking about, nothing how to be successful in any area they're advising you, these people will be happy to give you counsel. You need to stay away from vain janglers. There's two ways. There's two ways. I'm going to show you how to recognize a vain jangler. But look, what it comes down to is people many times, people that have failed in areas in their life will be willing to come and give you counsel in those areas. And you need to watch out for that. Most times these people are going to come and they're going to be unsolicited advice givers. Meaning you're not asking them for advice. And they're just coming and they're telling you about this. I mean, you think about things that I've seen many times in my life. You think, and like I said, I'm not beating you up. You know, uh, if, if you've been divorced, I'm not beating you up for being divorced. I'm just saying, like, you know, the guy that's been married several times should not be giving marriage advice. Yet I see this all the time. I see this all the time. Somebody that's been married several times telling people, don't get married. Telling young people, don't ever get married, look at me. Like, yeah, look at you. Why are you talking right now? <laughs> not only giving people advice to not get married just because they had a bad experience getting married, but literally giving people marital advice. It's crazy to think about it, but it happens all the time. It's, it's vain jangling. It's somebody that's prideful, that's vain, and desires to teach something that they do not understand. No one wants to hear how successful your fourth marriage is. I literally read a, a, a news title that said, actor shares success of his fourth marriage. I'm just like, is that real? <laughs> but it's real. It's vain jangling. How about this one? Child rearing. People that have kids that are train wrecks are just like, just they want to tell everybody how to raise their kids. It's like, hey, you know, consider the source. They're just giving advice constantly. Health is another one. People that just are not healthy or have nothing, they're not qualified to give health advice on any level are, are people that are constantly giving health advice to people. Why is that? Never give unsolicited health advice or medical advice. That's a good, I think that's one of George Washington's rules, rules of etiquette, actually. You just never give unsolicited medical advice. Advice, But look, you should consider the source Amen. of the advice that you're getting. The first one, how to avoid this. Here's the first one. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. How do I recognize somebody that is a vain jangler? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. The first one is this. You need to understand, is this person qualified to be giving counsel in this area? This is why if you're new to, a, new to a church or new to a situation, especially in a church, you should probably just stick to the pastor and the deacon if you don't know anybody. Because there's safety there. 
There's safety there. There's safety there for two reasons. The first one is the pastor and the deacon has the same qualifications as the pastor. But if you're in a church where the pastor is qualified to be the pastor, and you are, then you should stick to the pastor and stick to the deacon because there's safety there. There's safety for two reasons. Number one, they're qualified. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 in verse number 1. And look, these qualifications are no joke. 1 Timothy 3, look at verse 1. The Bible says this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop must then be blameless. There goes your dispensational teachers right there. They were all a bunch of criminals that had failed marriages, that abandoned their families, that were you know, committing fraud and extortion all over the place. It kind of gives you an idea why they did what they did. Why they wrote, you know, why does someone write a new Bible? If anyone comes up to you and they're like, hey, I made my own Bible, you're like, get out of there. But why do they do it? Why do they make their own Bible? Because they want to go to hell? No, they make their own Bible. It's a wicked thing to do and they're going to go to hell. But they make their own Bible because the King James Bible is the best-selling book in the last 450 years. And they want to jump on that bandwagon. Why? To make merchandise of people. They want to make money. Bishop must be blameless. The husband of one wife. There's your marriage advice right there. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. That means he's not going to make merchandise of you. But patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Again, merchandise. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now verse number five explains the qualifications here of kind of what I'm talking about. For if a man not know how to rule his own house... How shall we take care of the church of God? That's why, you know, the Bible is saying, like, you should consider the source. I want to give you a pastor that knows how to do this thing right. And that way, you know, he won't mess you up. Because if he can't raise his own family right, how's he going to tell you how to raise yours right? Not a novice. He knows the Bible. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them, them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse number 17. So the first one is, to to root out the vain janglers, is you should go to the pastor because he has safety in two areas. The first safety is that he's qualified. He's qualified to be giving you the advice, the counsel that you need in that situation. And And verse number, or the second reason is in Hebrews 13, there's something extra that the pastor has as well. Look at verse number 17 of Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Look at this, though. For they watch for your souls. The pastor has this unique responsibility. As they must give account. You know who they have to give account to? They have to give account to God. Look, let me tell you something. The pastor of this church has a greater responsibility than anyone in the building to give counsel that is correct for you. Amen. To what? To watch out for you. Amen. Your buddy may watch out for you, but he does not have this responsibility. Right. Your buddy is not going to stand before God and tell God how good of a do- job he did protecting you. But your pastor will. 
That is a massive responsibility. He has the responsibility to God for the flock. You are the flock. So when you go to him, and this is why many times the pastor will give you different advice than your buddy. This is why, you know, I've said, and I don't know if your pastor has said, but I've said to my congregation, I'm not really your friend. Because I'm probably going to tell you some things that your friend wouldn't tell you. Why? Because I have this responsibility for you. I may tell you things, your pastor may tell you things that you don't want to hear. Both from the pulpit and to your face. But it's what you need to hear. Because he has a responsibility that is over your personal self-interest. He's going to stand before God. He's not doing it out out of personal gain. Many times, it will hurt him for him to tell you the things that he tells you, but he has a responsibility to still tell you. Even when it's awkward, even when it's uncomfortable. He's doing it out of duty and out of servitude. No one else in this building except the pastor and the deacon have that responsibility over you. It's Ultimately, it's love. Friends don't have that responsibility to God, folks. and, and, And these qualifications... And this responsibility that they have, it's a tall order. It's a tall order, but it's necessary for you to know the motive of the pastor. And that's why there's more safety in the pastor than anybody else in the building when it comes to counsel. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. Let's look at the third one. Psalm chapter 1. We're looking at people, categories of people that you should beware of where bad counsel will come from. Turn to Psalm chapter 1. We looked at people that are going to make merchandise out of you, people that just want to make money out of you, people that don't care if they destroy you, financially, personally, whatever it is, put you into servitude. They just want you to sign the dotted line. They just want me, they'll, they'll use up your life to make merchandise out of you. Then we're looking at vain janglers. We looked at vain janglers, people that just want to be a teacher. They don't want to be, they don't know what they're talking about. They want to be a teacher so you think that they're great. They want to be a teacher so they can have preeminence over you. The third one is this. The third one is this. Ungodly people. Look at Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. You need to beware of counsel from ungodly people. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice it doesn't say unsaved. It says ungodly. There's plenty of saved people out there that are not godly. Plenty of saved people out there that aren't living godly lives, that aren't walking in the walk of the Word of God. The Bible says ungodly. I'll prove it to you. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There's plenty of ungodly saved people out there. But you should not walk in their counsel, the Bible is saying. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse number 1. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? He's talking to the church at Corinth here. They were going, they were suing each other, they were taking each other to court outside 
of the church, he says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? If the world shall be judged by you, are ye, talking to the church, the people in the church, look, these people are in church. He says, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we, the people in the church, shall judge angels? How much more things to, they, to things that pertain to this life? He's saying, why are you going to all these outside ungodly people when the people in the church have much better judgment than anybody outside would have? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First, this is what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just a couple chapters back. He's saying that the wisdom of the world is, I mean, look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. He's saying, why are you going outside the church when the wisdom of the world is foolishness? It's like the people in the church, are; those are the ones that are walking according to the Bible. Why wouldn't you use that judgment? Instead, you go to the ungodly counsel of the world, which is foolishness. I mean, how true is this today? You look at just the foolishness of everything happening in this world today. I mean, people buying into the fact that you can literally change your gender just by thinking you're a different gender. People literally walking around thinking that they're animals at this point. You need to make sure that you are the only ones giving counsel to your children. Amen. Side note. Because these wicked, worldly, evil, satanic people will be trying to teach all this garbage, this foolishness to your children, which is exactly what we see today. Look, folks, we, the entire Western world has become a gazing stock is a laughing stock today. Countries, countries in Africa and India and China, all over the world, they're laughing at us. These aren't God, they're not even godly. And they're looking at us going, we don't want to be like them. Like, that's crazy what's going on over there. Why? Because the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. I mean, there's nothing but foolishness out there. But all these people will be happy to counsel you. There was a story, not a story, there was a sign. We were just at the coast a few days ago. And my wife, I was walking with my wife, and my wife saw a sign. And the sign said, I mean, this was a serious sign. It was like right on the boardwalk of a, a central coast town. And the sign, it was on a telephone pole, and it said, don't feed the birds. It said they'll become dependent on the food, and they'll make a mess all over town. See where I'm going with this one? Our cities are trashed today. I, t- I told my wife, I said, that, you know, the sign should just replace birds with able-bodied men. Don't feed the able-bodied men. They'll become dependent on the food, and they'll make a mess all over town. You say, that sounds mean. That's the wisdom of this world, folks. You know, every one of these cities has leaders. And they're using their wisdom to lead these cities. And the cities are trashed. You say, that, that's mean, but the, the homeless. Let me tell you something. As a pastor, over the last couple of years, I've had several people, because people come to churches and they want help. And I have literally gone to all the help organizations in town, the, the shelters and the, the government housing 
in all these different places, and I have learned all the steps that somebody that is in a bad situation, I lost my job, and I, I, I don't have any money, that somebody like that could go to and receive help. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of those places. Let me tell you something that's a fact. An able-bodied man has made several wrong decisions in a row and continues to make those wrong decisions and continues to reject any counsel given. Because I've had people come to me and say, I need help. I need help. What do I do? And I go to these places. I say, you go here, you go here, you go here. I'm like, I write them out a plan. And then I go to these places and I follow up and I say, did this person come here and ask do this, this, and this? And they're like, nope. We would have told them to go to there. We would have told them to go there. And they just refuse to take any kind of counsel. We got to stop feeding the birds. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. These cities have leaders. They're fools. They're fools. And they're just continuing to feed wickedness and slothfulness and drunkenness and drugs and all these different things because that's really what it is, folks. That's why I'm not too worried about artificial intelligence because I'm not seeing a lot of actual intelligence out there. (laughs) It's like artificial intelligence. Oh, man, it's going to take over the world. I'm like, yeah, but in order to make artificial intelligence, you have to have an intelligent person that creates it. And Where are those people at? So I'm not too worried about that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he's talking about taking counsel. He's talking about judgment of people that are godly. He's talking about using the wisdom that is within the church and rejecting the godlessness that is outside the church. He's like, what are you doing? You're listening to fools when you have godly people. In matters that pertain to this life, you need to stick with godly people. I'm talking about family, children, marriage, Worldviews, you need to stick to godly people on that stuff. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Not just saved people, but godly people walking their talk. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13, look at verse number one. There's a lot of bad people out there, folks, trying to give you counsel. Why? Just because they're bad, that's why. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, look at verse number one. 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 1. You need to watch out for this type of thing. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. So his conscience is getting in the way of his wicked desire here. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. Subtlety is never good. Satan is subtle. God's right in your face. The word of God's like, bam, right in your face. Subtlety is how Satan operates. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? And Amnon said, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay down on thy bed and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say to him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. See, he took the counsel. 
And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Notice here how Amnon came to, or how Jonadab came to Amnon. Amnon didn't go to Jonadab and say, hey, I got this problem. You have any ideas? This guy came and started just giving all this unsolicited advice to his friend in this just wicked, bad advice. He didn't ask him. He didn't ask him what he thought. But here's what you need to understand. Bad people want you to be bad with them. This is the whole idea of, you know, oh, you know, you know these criminals, or he was just hanging around with the wrong crowd. Because bad people want sin, loves company. People that are into drinking and drugs and all these things, they don't want to do that stuff by themselves. They want to give counsel for you to do the same things that they're doing. And guess what? If you start taking counsel from bad people, pretty soon you'll find yourself a bad person. Just like Amnon here. I mean, Amnon had a wicked desire, and like, he obviously had some problems that he, he followed through with this. But he became a bad person. He paid the price for it. Again, these people do not have your interests in mind. They have their interests in mind. Bad people will make you bad. I've seen plenty of people fall that way. It's one of those things where, I, you know, a person could have gone really good and could have gone really bad, and they just listened to the wrong person. That's the only thing they did, and they became a very bad person because they took counsel from bad people. So look, knowing who to take counsel from and who to not take counsel from will have a major impact on your life. That's what I'm trying to get you to see this morning. There's plenty of people out there that want to give you counsel for a multitude of different reasons. You need, to, you need to check their motives. Does this person stand to gain by this counsel? That, are this, is this person trying to make merchandise out of you? You need to check the source. You need to check the source. Just like I talked to you, I mean, that's why the pastor is so safe. The deacon is so safe. Check the source. Is this person successful in the area that they're trying to count? This is an easy one. Is this person successful? Do they have success in the area that they're telling me about here? Would I like to have the results that they currently have? It's pretty easy. I I was just fishing the last couple days, and one of my favorite things to do is, is it's more, I have more fun doing this than I do actually fishing, is I like to go out in the dark. I like to go out early in the morning, at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, when the guys are leaving, when the, when the old guys are leaving right away in the morning out of the harbor. And I like to get a cup of coffee, and I like to just go talk to the old guys heading out in the dark. You say, why? Because I also talk to people that come back in the afternoon. What do I say? I go up to the old guys that are leaving the harbor, and I'm like, you know, I'm, just, I'm kind of being a little nosy, but, you know, they get to know you a little bit, and they start to, they like to talk. What are you fishing for? You know, what are you, what are you using? And they just talk and they talk and they talk and they'll tell you everything. They'll show you all their stuff in their boat. But then you watch the guys that come back in the afternoon. And you watch the guys that come back with fish. And then I put those pieces, I connect those two things. I'm like, yep, I talked to this guy and I remember what he was doing and I remember where he even, a lot of times they'll even tell you where they're going to go. 
I never tell people where I go. <laughs> but then I connect those two things. I check the source. I'm like, this guy came back with the, these huge halibut or this, he caught a bluefin tuna. I'm like, I'm going to listen to that guy every single time I talk to that guy. That guy's like gold right there. But you got to check the source. Do I want the results that this person is getting? Now you got the guy that comes back and his boat's all busted up and he, he didn't even make it half a mile and he broke down and almost drowned and probably not going to take advice from that guy. <laughs> not that that can't happen to anybody. But you got to check the source. Do I want the results that this person giving me advice is? And here's the last one I want to show you. Here's the, here's the coup de grace right here. Look, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This will help you. This is like your... This is like your uh, your shield for bad advice right here. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll land the plane here in a few minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse number 16. The, the third one that will protect you here as we just wrap things up is to know the Bible. Amen. Knowing the Bible is kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a, a, a self-fulfilling protection because if you know the Bible, you're probably going to need less counsel, first of all. But if you don't know the Bible, not only will you need counsel, but you won't recognize bad counsel as easily. But look at verse number 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for what? Instruction in righteousness. This is your ultimate protection right here. The Word of God. This is the highest power. Romans 13, talking about obeying the higher powers. This is the highest one. When somebody says, hey, you should do this, and it contradicts what you know is in here, this is the highest power. But if you don't know it, you can fall into a trap. You can receive bad counsel. See, folks, a lot of counsel sounds good. A lot of things that people will tell you, it sounds good to you but you shouldn't be ruled by how you feel. Amen. You shouldn't be ruled, especially men. This is pitiful if this is you. If you're ruled by your emotions, you're not a man. That's right. That's right. Amen. Like, ah, it just doesn't feel good. Become a man. Right. You follow the word of God even when it makes you feel bad. This is hard. This is tough. This is not what the easy way is. Become a man. That's why God puts you in charge of your family. Amen. It's not about your feelings. This is why a lot of times people will go to their friends that know that they will give them the right answer that they want to hear. And they won't go to their pastor because they know that their pastor is going to tell them what they don't want to hear. Because they're, they're, they're in sin, they're ruled by their emotions. Grow up. Other people depend on you. It's not about what you want right now. Someone in sin, think of it this way, someone that makest, the Bible says, makest, makest hate to be rich. Someone that just wants to get rich really fast. They're going to be really easy for someone to make merchandise of. People that make merchandise of other human beings are looking for that person that wants to get rich without hard work. They want to, they want to be successful. They want to get a nice car and a nice house and all these things, and they want it right now. They don't want to work. There's people hunting you. 
There's people, especially in this society that we live in, that are looking for you. I used to have a, before I moved to California, I used to have kind of a side business that was an internet consulting business. And one of the main parts of that business was getting people out of messes that they got themselves into with scammers. Which people that convinced them to give them their account numbers and convinced them to, you know, buy into something or told them that something's wrong with your computer. Give me all your passwords and I'll fix it for you. And, or you can make a lot of money if you just do this and follow me here. And people want to make a lot of money, and they've lost a lot of money. Why? Because they're ma- they make it safe to be rich. And there's all kinds of people hunting them to make merchandise out of them. You've got to watch for bad counsel. If you can re- recognize good advice and throw away bad advice, and I think the bad advice is going to be more prevalent than the good advice in your life. Because if you look at all these different criteria that I gave you this morning, you're sitting here and you're like, godly people, qualified people, uh, people that aren't trying to, you know, make merchandise of me, and, and just the pastor and the deacon and all these different things. I mean, God, the Bible says God gave you pastors and teachers. But, I mean, Pastor Pizarro, you're kind of limiting, limiting my, my sources of counsel here. It's like, who, who in the world could I take counsel from? Well, hey, it should be a short list. Amen. I'm the pastor of a church. And there's people giving me advice all the time, every, every other day in email, and people telling me how I should do things, how I shouldn't do things. The people that I actually take counsel from, I can count on one hand. Amen. It's a short list Amen. who I trust to receive counsel. Your pastor is one of them. Amen. Who I trust to take counsel from in this life. And you should have a short list. Amen. And that will be safety to you. And if you have more than one of those people, great. That's what Proverbs eleven fourteen is talking about. A lot of people are going to try to give you advice today, folks. And the reason that I narrow it down for you so much this morning is because most of that advice is bad. And if you can kick out all that bad stuff and listen to the right people, you're going to do just fine. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for this great advice in the Bible, Lord. I thank you for the great protection that the Word of God gives us. Lord, I thank you for our pastors. I thank you for our deacons, our teachers, our evangelists, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to to just filter out all the areas of our life where we're receiving bad counsel. Just filter out all the noise of this culture that we live in. Lord, and just protect us from all this evil, wicked counsel that's trying to draw us away from you, away from your Word, away from our families, and ultimately, Lord, away from the truth. Lord, we love you, and we ask that you bless the rest of today. In church this evening, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Psalm 105.